Welcome to this episode of the Future Champions podcast. My name is Stuart Taylor, and as is custom, once a month I catch up with Robert Garland. We do the podium, three moments in sport, bronze, silver, and a gold moment. Last month we didn't do that because we wanted to pay tribute to Rodney Marsh. This month we've come together because we said we would, Robert Garland, and talk about an incredible man, an incredible athlete, amazing Australian, Shane Warne. He lost his life from a heart attack at the age of 52. How hard is it to talk about the loss of Shane Warne? Stuart, thank you for asking that because to be very frank with you, I really don't want to do this. It's quite uncomfortable talking about someone that was a part of your sporting life and it's an emotional experience and I I hope we can do Shane and his family justice. There's so much to talk about. There's so much been talked about. Where are we going to take it? We've had a bit of a chat about it and we've picked three golden moments. One's mine, one's yours, one's ours because there's lots to share and I'm sure there'll be many, many others for many, many people and I just wanted us to just focus on the cricket side of Shane that we fell tragically in love with for some 17 years at top level. An amazing career. It was an amazing career. And I guess that's probably why not only was he one of the greatest cricket players in history, but he was at the top of his game for so long, a legend, a megastar in Australian sport. He put cricket back on the map for a lot of people. He made it intriguing to watch. And you've got to remember that test cricket's not for everyone. It's a long game. But for those that study it and enjoy it and take in its machinations, he dissected it so well. No one knew where he was coming from. And it was a process that he went through. He was a true professional. He set out from a very low base. He wasn't a good cricketer to start with. He wasn't a natural athlete. He had to work hard. And he just took it to another level. We talk about fast bowlers and opening batsmen and wicket keepers and all the other facets. Not many people super excited about a leg spin bowler. And yet we did because Warney made it so. Where were you when you found out about Shane Warne's death? I've been asked that question a number of times and I'm interested to know and how it affected you. I actually uh, was getting ready for work. And I got a text from my son, have you heard the news? What do you mean? Shane Warnes died. Um, I had to sit down on the edge of a bed. And um, for a moment, I had a little bit of grit in my eye and, I, and worked through it and I got ready for work. But I, I was just numb most of the day. And since then... You know, we've talked about it, Stuart, how many times now? We haven't been able to land, and tonight uh, we're going to work through this podcast in honour of Shane, and it's taken us time to grieve and process where we're at. What about yourself? I go for a walk with my wife in the mornings. She woke me up, and she went, Shane Warne's dead. And I said to her, no, (laughs) no, Mm. are you sure? Are you sure it's Shane Warne? It's Rod Marsh. Rod Marsh died. Yeah. And that whole walk, I was just shattered. I can completely empathise with you. This has been a really difficult one. And for those that aren't sporting tragics, I do ask that 
in listening to this, you follow up with a little bit of research and have a look at the many Shane Warne moments and you'll soon get the vibe why he had such an impact. He's stopped a nation multiple times, too many to count. Shane Warne was a game changer. He was a marquee player. He was a legend in his own time. In this podcast, we're just going to focus on what Shane Warne meant to us and why we think he had such an impact on a community, on a nation, on the world. Warts and all, he was magical and he was our Shane Warne. So let's get on to our first moment. And the first one I'm going to call is The Arrival. I like that, Stuart, because in 1993, Shane Warne turned up in England an unknown. He didn't look like an elite athlete like we see some of them today. He had that point of difference. He had a brashness about him. The commentary was, in a sense, excited about his arrival. Players around him knew he was about to do something. There was a sense that he could be a game changer, but he actually hadn't proven it until this ball. Let's paint the picture here. Richie Benno is commentating on Shane Warne with his first ball in England against England. He's relatively unknown, as you said. He comes from Victoria. He's played a handful of test matches. Mm -hmm. Peroxide hair, a little bit lumpy. Yeah, he was. Well, he wasn't an elite athlete, let's put it that way. <laughs> a little bit. He looked more like you and me than, say, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Warney enjoyed his pies. <laughs> Absolutely. And he was a true Ocker Aussie from Victoria, ready to go up against Gatting. And this is the ball, his very first ball, as commentated by the late, great Richie Benno. Field for a start, just a slip. There's a short cover. Three other men on the offside, saving single. Three on the on and deep backward square. First ball in test cricket in England for Shane Warne. And he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. Gatting has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. He still doesn't know. He asked Kenny Palmer on the way out. Kenny Palmer just gave him a raised eyebrow and a little nod, and that's all it needed. Well, it's like yesterday. I remember seeing it, and they kept replaying it, and it was like the ball went at right angles. And Gatting stood there as though he'd been stumped, but he was in his ground. He actually didn't think he was out, so he's had to refer it to the umpire. And in disbelief, he's walked away. That just didn't happen. There's a few things I really love about his arrival. One, Richie Benno was a great spin bowler for Australia. Mm -hmm. And you could hear it in his voice how proud he was that Shane Warne, a leg spinner, had come to England and done that. First ball, you can hear it. He's done it. And then as he starts talking, you almost hear him choke up. And I love that. Also love the fact that Gatting was the old guard cricket. Shane Warne came in and he was completely the opposite. And that ball, that one ball, the ball of the century changed his life, but it also changed the trajectory of cricket. In his book, No Spin, which is a great read, he talks about after he bowled that ball, 
And he wasn't planning to bowl that ball. He was just trying to find a length, yeah. trying to get it right. And he found the perfect length. It spun and took the top bail off. But from that, the paparazzi, the news, the world noticed him. He was completely outside the box and he was effective and people loved that. And he became a superstar of cricket. The difference between him and everyone else is that his light continued to burn for 17 years. That's a long time at the top of any sport. But 17 years and setting an Australian record for wicket-taking, 708 wickets. Glenn McGrath sits behind him. There's daylight second. And Glenn McGrath was a fantastic fast bowler. So there we are, all of a sudden, a spin bowler in the very early stages of the career with no form. Who would have known? Overnight, he's a superstar. And when he spoke to people after it, I think he acknowledges it himself. He, he didn't know where he was going, but he had this undying commitment to be the best. He was focused on being a great cricketer. He didn't just want to play cricket. He wanted to be the best at it. And people were taken with that journey. And in that game, it was four for 51, four wickets, 51 runs. The next innings, four for 81. He was player of the match. Australia won by 179 runs. And shame worn started his platform. As I said before, 17 years. Most people, if they have a career for five years in cricket or any other sport, it's pretty good. They probably get one nickname. How many nicknames did Shane Warne have? Look, I, I think it's at least six. We got Warney with an IE, with a Y, the King, the Spin King, Sheik of the Tweak, just to name a few. Like he was something to so many people. And if you're there for that long, you are going to reinvent yourself all the time, aren't you? I think he must have had a nickname for every continent. <laughs> I think he got Sheik of the Tweak for, in the subcontinent. They love him over there. And obviously after his test career, he was well sought after uh, in IPL, Indian League. It was a captain there. Captain coach there and, and, and took a team that couldn't win to make them unbeatable. Incredible in the subcontinent, incredible in South Africa, incredible in England, incredible in the West Indies. He almost took you into his mind about say, well, hang on, what's Shane Warne going to turn up and do this time? It wasn't as though you're just watching someone bowl. And, and having watched his career like you, I felt a part of Shane Warne and Glenn McGrath and, and others. But Warney particularly drew us in because he was a larrikin. He made us feel connected. Like it wasn't that stiff upper lip cricket in the whites. He busted it open and he wanted to entertain. He wanted to share his brilliance and he was always bouncing ideas off other players. He never shut up. He was always trying to get that angle. It was actually his captain, his first captain, Alan Border, who taught him about the art and the importance of sledging. And he said, whenever you feel like your flow has gone, pick a fight. Mm -hmm. And that's what he would do. He understood that there was more to cricket than just the physicality of it. There was the mind, and the mind was so important. But I'll tell you why I think he captivated people. And I think you'll agree with me because you were with me one day, one night, when you and I went and watched a magician called Constantine at the Harvey Bay RSL. Do you remember that night? Yeah, he was fabulous. He was amazing. And he had, and still is. And still is. That night was amazing. And it got me thinking about why we love magicians. 
because it's the sleight of hand. It's it's trying to pay attention to something that you don't quite understand mm. and something miraculous happens. Mm-hmm. And that's what Shane Warne was. He was a showman and he knew that and he worked the crowd. He didn't matter where he was. That's why he was so good on in so many places. He thought in advance, what have I got to do? What's the pitch like? What's the weather like? He thought through the cricket. He was a genius. Yes. When I was 19 years old in 1994, I went to the Gabba and I watched Australia play England in a test match. So it was in the Gabba test match, Australia versus England. Alex Stewart is batting. Shane Warne is bowling. And in the over in its totality, Stewart has the upper hand. He's playing fours. He's playing Shane Warne easily. What he didn't realize is that Shane Warne was setting him up not for the five balls that were easy for him to play. He was setting him up for one ball that was really, really hard to play. That's what will happen if you can frustrate the leg spinner into uh, to trying to get wickets quickly rather than uh, work on the, the long haul. If you can keep getting the singles, rotating the strikes, you'll frustrate him and maybe get a few more loose deliveries like that. That's a very good uh, strike rate. That was a flipper, magnificent bowling from War. Stewart, who's been looking to go down the pitch, looking to cut, hook, line and sinker. Well, he certainly was enjoying the the battle, Shane Warne, and he's won it with the flipper right on line. And that has really hurried on. Alex Stewart can't believe that he's made such a blunder. And Shane Warne has won that little round. It's one for 50. Australia would go on to win that game by 184 runs. In 1994, Shane Warne got, and wait for it, in the first innings he got three for 38, in the second he got eight for 71. Another man of the match game for Shane Warne. And I say it again, the magician, because it was a sleight of hand. Most things were almost identical, but one was just slightly different. And that, that slight movement, that slight change is what made the batsmen think they knew what was going to happen, but were completely undone by his planning and his process. I just love that about him, the magician. They should have called him the magician. That should have been his seventh nickname. The thing that I recall about watching Shane Warne was that he never seemed to get off his game. They would be hitting him around the park and you knew that he had something up his sleeve. Just so having so much confidence in yourself. He knew he'd get you in the end. I guess that's the thing is he was a game changer. He, was, he won games. If he got one wicket, he'd go on to get more, wouldn't he? This is something I just wanted to flag, is that when you look at his career, 708 wickets in Australia, that's substantial. Uh, Dennis Lilly sits behind him. Glenn McGrath sits behind him. Multiple fantastic bowlers sit behind him. Essentially daylight second. But he had a record five-wicket hauls 37 times in 273 innings, if I could just share a few stats. Glenn McGrath second behind that with 29 five-wicket hauls from 243 innings. The 10-wicket hauls, he did that 10 times in 145 matches. He doesn't appear in many other stats, but he does in those big chunky ones. If he was on song, Australia won. 
you know what the reason is for him not getting more 10 wicket hauls? No. Because he had Pigeon at the other end. He had Glenn McGrath at the other end getting five wickets himself. Glenn McGrath was the second highest five wicket haul. So when you think about it in that space, when you've got a world beater in Glenn McGrath and a world beater in Shane Warne, they were competing for the same wickets because there was only 10 wickets per innings that you could get. So when Shane Warne was trying to get people out, so was Glenn McGrath, and they'd run out of wickets. And um, um, imagine surviving. Glenn McGrath and then Brett Lee, that era. So I've just settled down. I've sorted out my headspace. I'm, I'm keeping these fast guys out. And then next minute, on comes the magician. Yeah. And I survive him, maybe. And then Glenn McGrath turns up back again on Brett Lee. Like it was just punishing. There was no weak link. Such a successful era of cricket. Big names for, for a decade or more. And as I said, Shane Warne at the top of his game for 17 years. That's at the test level, but he played IPL one-day matches. Like, he basically got spin bowling making an impact in one-day matches. His record is one of the best bowlers in the history of cricket anywhere in the world. Shane Warne, Glenn McGrath were an incredible partnership. What a fitting way for our last golden moment, Mm -hmm. the farewell at the Sydney Cricket Ground for both Shane Warne and Glenn McGrath. Robert, let's have a quick listen to their last game. Now then, Michael Hussey takes the catch. Glenn McGrath takes the final wicket with his final ball in Test Match Cricket. Just couldn't be scripted better for him. Worn out all the glory in Melbourne. And now McGrath can have it at the Sydney Cricket Ground. They come together. So do the families. A great team will leave the field of play, led by a remarkable cricketer. What an acknowledgement of a crowd to see two of the greatest bowlers that probably Australia's seen since Dennis Lilly. One of the greatest partnerships in world cricket we've ever seen, we're ever likely to see. And the crowd there at the SCG recognised that and they gave him and Glenn McGrath an incredible tribute. It, it was a true partnership. I think it was almost written in history that they walk off together. I think that's what they wanted. It didn't happen by chance. I said, well, we've done our bit. We've had enough. Some 17 years each. I think Glenn McGrath started one year later than Shane. And both, as they left that pitch, I felt as though they left too early. And it's always better to leave too early than too late. And I guess that's Shane Warne's life. He's left far too early. It's tough if you're a cricketing fan. It's tough if you're an Australian who loves their sport. And it's just tough from a human's perspective. Their family should be justly proud of the legacy that he's left. What a tragedy, what a gap that he has left. He had another career in front of him and he was being touted as coach for many teams around the world. Everyone wanted a piece of Shane Warne. There's two clips I want to share. One of them because I truly believe that this gives an incredible insight, an incredible insight into the mind of Shane Warne, how he was able to turn the complex into simple. And that's one of the things that made him such a good 
coach as well, that he was able to explain the complexities of what he did, the complexities of cricket, and that's why he was successful in commentary as well, is that he would take complex ideas and explain them in a way that you and I could understand. And you go, oh, I didn't realize it was that simple, but it was. He broke them down into the smallest parts, and he was so smart to be able to do that, but also he had such an ability to communicate that he was able to share that. It's one thing to know how to do something. It's another thing to communicate. So this clip here really speaks to me because it breaks that down into its parts, but it's also really good for young people and old who are trying to achieve something in their life and how to decompartmentalize that and to be able to manage that psychology of pursuing excellence. And let's listen to it and I'll get your thoughts. So I always believe that some of the little things and the, are so underrated, like if you're arguing with your, with your partner, a friend, a sponsor, a manager, a diary, a travel thing, an appearance, all those things, if you haven't sorted them by the time it comes to match day, they're all in your head. Yeah. So it's physically impossible for you to have 100% concentration on what the team needs you to do right now. So I worked that out for myself. And, I, and you know, sport is all about knowing yourself and know what makes you tick, where you can give the best for the team. Yeah. So I was lucky that I worked out all of that stuff. And I had a few hard conversations with people before it. Um, and if you do your physical side, you feel fresh and you mentally got that all sorted. And then you find a few hours to yourself to do whatever you might want to do. Now, whether that's read a book, watch a movie, do a crossword, listen to some music, whatever, just to escape and freshen up. I think that's really important. Wow. The power of those words and I suppose the determination behind them, the simplicity. What, what else can you say other than right on the money? The guy was a genius. He just broke it down to some very simple rules that you needed to follow to be on your game. And that's what I reflect in watching. He wasn't the only brilliant cricketer, but every time he came on, I was drawn to him. Now I figure out why. Even when he was uh, at his lowest points, and there were plenty of them, he still found that true north. Even for my work, it teaches me that you know, you can't take baggage to work. You, mm. you, you'll be tired by the end of the day just carrying your baggage and you won't have achieved anything. Imagine if you're trying to achieve excellence. Bringing your A game is not that difficult if you sort out the things that are dragging you down and that's all he's saying. And that's what Shane Warne was. When he was on the pitch, every time, when he was on that cricket pitch, he was 100% present. 30 years ago, he emerged on the world cricketing scene, as we said, that first golden moment, the arrival. Fancy your first ball gets labelled the ball of the century from a leg spin bowler. It's unheard of. That's what broke the ground. To bowl the ball of the century and your career only get better? <laughs> it makes no sense, does it? But it did. It was dynamic. If you get a chance, No Spin by Shane Warne. I actually did a podcast. Go back and listen to it. Go and search on the Future Champions podcast. I would have to say it's in my top five books of all time. Shane Warne was incredibly smart, incredibly gifted. Read his book. 
because it's one of the most honest, authentic, and intelligent sporting books I have ever read. It's amazing. A great journey. Robert, I wanted to thank you for joining me on this episode of the Future Champions podcast. You asked me how we would finish this. Mate, I'm, I'm with you. W- whatever way you want to take it. If, if it sounded a bit clunky and a bit emotional, it was. You know, I had a lot of fun. I was lucky enough to play in an era of Australian cricket that was pretty awesome. We beat every team home and away. We had a lot of fun. There were some great characters we played off, some of the all-time great players. And also that I'd like to think that we entertained people and that I made people smile. You know, I made them think, oh, I love watching Test Cricket. What's he going to do this time? What's Warnie going to do this time? So thinking about that, you know, that made me proud of what I've been able to achieve. Bowling Warnie. Bowling Warnie.